welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak with Hannah Maitro of the Trussell Trust. We speak about the work of the Trussell Trust and what food banks are and seek to achieve. We also speak about the relationship between the Government Department of Work and Pensions, the DWP, and those who rely on food banks and why. This really is a shocking topic, with figures from the Joseph Roundtree Foundation estimating that more than 2.4 million people experienced destitution at some point in 2019, including over half a million children, which is an increase of over 50% when last measured in 2017. Certainly since then, the COVID-19 pandemic has made things even tougher for many more people, with food and work insecurity becoming an increasing issue. And this crisis is certainly worthy of more coverage from us at Charity Chat. So consider this an introductory episode that we will build upon in the coming weeks and months. Hannah May is a passionate and very knowledgeable campaigner, and I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her, and I'm sure you will too. And uh, this episode is uh, brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Charity People. So without further ado, here is Hannah Maitro giving us an introduction to food banks and the work of the Trussell Trust. I'm delighted to welcome Hannah May Tro, Campaign Engagement Officer at the Trussell Trust, to Charity Chat. Hannah May, how long have you been working there at the Trussell Trust? So I've been here for just over six and a half years now. Wow, that's a good innings. So you've seen, yeah. a lot of, you've seen a lot of change, have you, with Trussell Trust? Because it's become a household name, I think. Now People know it very well. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, I'm not sure whether I'm glad of that or not. But yes, yeah, um, it, we are much more well-known now. Um, and yeah, when I started, um, we had less than 100 uh, food banks across the UK. Um, mm. And unfortunately now, uh, we're at over 1,200. So That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So for those of our listeners that may not know what the Trussell Trust does, what, what does it what does it do? What, what does the Trussell Trust do and what does your role entail there? Yeah, so uh, the Trussell Trust um, is a charity that supports over uh, 1,200 food bank centres across the UK. Um, and uh, we also, we're meeting the crisis provision need there, but uh, also we do a lot of policy research um, into the underlying causes of destitution and then work with the public on uh, campaigning um, through what we're calling our hunger-free future campaign at the moment to work out ways of uh, tackling those issues and, and, and our ultimate goal is to end the need for food banks. And when we're talking about food banks, what what is a food bank? I suppose that's the that's the question that I, I think I know the answer to, but I might not. What, what does it look like? Um, so each food bank is is slightly different, but they run on uh, on um, a set model. So people are referred to food banks through health professionals, through people who work in schools, through social workers, or through people like the job centre or advice services like Citizens Advice, who assess the person's issue at the point of crisis. So then when they um, they come to a food bank, um, they have either a referral form or more often nowadays, like an e-referral selfie, um, a message on their phone. And the food bank will uh, support them with three days emergency food three meals a day and the person gets uh, obviously uh, some choice in that um, around dietary requirements or 
food preferences to make sure that we're actually giving them like the best we possibly can. A lot of food banks also provide fresh food, like um, milk, bread, uh, fruit and veg, whatever it is available. And whilst we're there, we um, sit down and we we have a very human interaction with people because we find that a lot of people when they get to us through whatever reason any like institution they've been in contact with it's it's a very inhuman process Mm. for a lot of people so just sitting down and having a cup of tea and a chat with somebody and just being there to listen to them and uh, to let them know that like somebody cares about Mm. them as a person uh, is really really great for people's um, mental well-being Um, and through those conversations we find out what the underlying causes are because our referral lets us know that they've the main reason why they've been referred and unfortunately that's uh, quite often due to problems with benefits and benefit delays uh, sanctions or um, deductions Mm. specifically we're finding that a large percentage of families coming to the food bank they're in debt to the dwp their highest debtor is the dwp because of advanced payments they've had to wait five weeks for yeah. universal credit right. took the advanced payment but now have to pay large deductions back because of that uh, gap in income so um, it's a really difficult position to be in and when we when we find out the different issues that might be uh you know causing them to be in crisis most of our food banks have different services advice services that we can help with and link up to people in the community that can have those proper conversations whether it's legal advice or uh, financial advice or social care welfare or even just things like interest groups i think people shouldn't underestimate the um the power of social groups, even at the moment digitally, for for people's mental health and well-being. So it sounds like the food bank demand has grown hugely from 100 to 1,200 in the last six years. Is that because people's need has grown, or is it that people are more aware of the food banks being available as an option? We can't say it's one or the other, but I definitely think that the issues around, there are key moments where the issues have become greater. So switching the legacy benefits to universal credit had major um, issues when it first started and people were transferring over Mm. and that increased the need. Was that because you you mentioned the Department of Work and Pensions who kind of run that system and, and universal credit that there's that delay wasn't there? I, I remember reading about there, this and hearing about this there is uh, it's actually built into the system so it is something that they could take out again but they decided that if uh, you or I were to switch jobs potentially you would wait five weeks uh, depending on when you switch from one job to the other before mm. your next paycheck sure. so they wanted to like emulate real life working work to work condition but obviously Mm. that doesn't work for a lot of people who are on legacy benefits and a lot of those benefits in universal credit include disability benefits or carer benefits of people who through no fault of their own may never be able to have employment Mm. and also but legacy benefits used to be fortnightly and it's gone over to monthly and there's no real support for people going from one to the other and also in the original 
switch simple claims like single people with um, no like additional needs or anything were switched over automatically but um, a lot of people who are in families or with health needs or very complex benefit claims the impetus was on them to switch over um, but there was also no support to help them switch over to universal credit and everything's digital now um Mm. if even if you went to if you were allowed to go to the job center at the moment in person yeah um, yeah of course they can't help you fill out the form they're not allowed to help you fill out the form and you have to fill it out yourself and that throws into a lot of things like um computer literacy Mm. as well and it's it's quite a stressful um thing to do like i've i've looked at the form myself and I feel like I'd have to have um a PhD to, to I mean. fill it out and I'm not even emotionally distressed like some people could of be when, when they have to yeah. fill out the form and it sounds like there are all these hurdles even when you're even if you're in a scenario where you're you need to claim benefits you need the funds to and in some cases to cover the food bill for you and your family mm. and yet to do that you've given all this it's almost some kind of tough mudder um circuit you've got to do without the the help without the guidance um in order to in order to actually do that it's it's really shocking yeah it can be very complicated and we do have better um support services in the food bank to help people with that process and also um the dwp uh did put something in place which in some areas works better than the other others Mm. in terms of the ability to do it called universal support which was supposed to be for um helping people with with the process but that obviously has depending on where you live is where whether you have that or it works for you and obviously just as we've as we've gone on even in the six years I've been here it's not just things like benefit changes but obviously the the rate of inflation versus living costs mm. and wages also there was uh, we had four years of a benefit cap the benefit freeze so that didn't rise in line with inflation and then obviously now we've got pandemic you might have heard of which has thrown job security out of the window for a lot of people so more people than ever are now claiming Mm. um you know Mm. uh, welfare benefits that probably never thought they ever would and it's it's something that we've been communicating quite a lot that um the welfare system is there for everybody. It's kind of like the emergency services yeah. um, in that sense. And that it, it it didn't fully support everybody that was claiming it beforehand. Mm. And now more people than ever are actually finding themselves claiming through universal credit. And it doesn't work for them either. So we're working on trying to make the system fairer for all not to um diminish anything the dwp has done it's not a complete disaster story it does work for quite a lot of people universal credit and that's great like we want it to work for people and we like those success stories but it doesn't work for every case and unfortunately the cases that it doesn't work for are usually the most vulnerable who we tend to see in food banks and trying to find a way of protecting the most vulnerable in society is really, really key to the work that we do so that hopefully they won't find themselves in a situation where they need trust or trust assistance going forward. The government has made steps in that sense, like the work that we've been doing with our campaigners and government policies and stuff. It is making steps. It's very small um, steps each time, but each time there's a, a, a group of vulnerable people that are then being protected and just opening that 
uh, circle wider and wider until everybody finds themselves comfortable and able to afford to live comfortably. Anime, your, your campaign engagement officers, can you talk us through kind of what it is putting together a campaign to affect change? Where, where do you start? Yeah, so I see my job as having like a really open conversation with the public and kind of sharing with them what we see and what we're doing and what our research shows and kind of opening the dialogue and finding out what their experiences are and whether that relates and then working with them on different ways to engage people in power in ways that they feel comfortable with. So whether that's giving them a platform and the resources to be able to share the issue with their MP and have a frank discussion there about it or through like themed activities like campaigning races or baking competitions or like virtual escape rooms <laughs> fun stuff like that all like big scale campaigns where it's multiple layer of like signing petitions and taking like action in your local community and stuff like that so um it really does start with having a conversation with the public to see because we we can we know what we see but that's only like a very small part of the story and we want to mm. make sure that we're being as authentic as possible and helping give a platform to people's real experiences you know I'm not claiming universal credit at the moment I don't know what that experience is like and thankfully I don't have an overly overly complicated life so I don't I don't understand the stresses of like being a parent or having to care for somebody with health Mm. health issues so you're kind of you're kind of matching up the people that are using the food banks with the supporters that want to help those because i suppose support for food banks isn't just obviously it's donations to the trustful trust and other organizations it, supporting food banks but it's also it's also supporting with volunteering and donating food is. isn't it it is yes yeah. very much so um it's very you know most of like 90 percent of the food that um is in food banks is donated by the public right. um so that's really really important uh, to us obviously and and funds to the food bank and the trustle trust to keep them operational because of covid a lot of food banks have gone to a delivery model so that means that they had to like provide vehicles and and mm. extra volunteers to do that service and we have yeah we have over four hundred thousand volunteers across the uk i think it's actually more than that now but yeah. um yeah, it, they are very much the heart and the backbone of what we do. And is there a sense that people really respond to the Trussell Trust and, and the kind of the, I suppose, the work of food banks? Because it's, I mean, there are so many shocking causes out there, aren't there? But certainly I speak for myself when... I hear that there are people, you know, en masse, millions of people using food banks in the UK. It really, it kind of hits you hard. You know, you kind of think that's shocking. That's incredible, really. Yeah, I think it's um, it's hard for a lot of people to grasp that that's a situation in this country that could be allowed to happen. Mm. Like, I still find it quite shocking uh, after six years. And it's something that's a man-made problem. So it baffles it baffles me why it can't it can't be fixed. It can be fixed is the answer, uh, which is really hopeful. Yeah. Um, but yes, and it, um, it crosses over a lot of different issues. We have people who are very seriously ill 
that um, are falling through the cracks and coming to our food bank because food is really kind of just the opening point to helping these people like it's mm -hmm. it's the reason people are coming to food banks is, is poverty it's destitution and the causes of that are so varied and complex like it's health issues it's social issues it's domestic violence it's homelessness it's lots and lots of really complicated issues in people's lives that we can hopefully kind of gather around these people and and help them get the support that they need but the entry point is is food You're talking about COVID-19 and how's that affected your life personally? You're, yeah. you're at home, I'm at home, we're talking remotely as the world is these days it seems. Yeah. How, how did it affect you with, with your work? Well I used to travel to London every day and I don't do that so I've gained about four hours of my life back commuting nice. so that's nice. Um, but I'm just amazed how much not only the Trussell Trust in, uh, internally has managed to kind of rally around and I actually feel a lot closer to a lot of my colleagues um, because we have a lot of people out in the field um, as area managers and operational uh, staff that mm. I don't get to see very often and I see them more now than ever sure. um, and a better understanding of what they do in their job which is mm. wonderful but also the food banks have been absolutely outstanding I feel so proud to say that food banks remained open especially in areas where a lot of other services had to close due to covid they rallied around they drastically changed their delivery model um to either completely delivery delivery option or to making sure that their food banks were covid safe and compliant and rallying around with finding new volunteers and stuff because a lot of our volunteers unfortunately were in the um the shielding category mm. and they still managed to to carry on it's just it's it, it, mind-blowing it's so humbling to be able to say that i you know i i serve this amazing network uh, of people who who just cracked on that you know no fuss no must they they just always rise to the occasion because these people who who run our food banks started them because of compassion for the people in their community and they absolutely refused to shut during covid they mm. just by will or faith alone managed to stay open which is amazing well i suppose that the need is is kind of been brought to the fore hasn't it and, and there's been a lot of coverage of Obviously, there's the kind of the Marcus Rashford news stories around um, oh. school school meals and uh, and covering that during COVID uh, and other food banks as well. And and uh, I suppose people seem to be out buying heaps of food themselves in March. All the supermarkets are empty, weren't they? Has that kind of brought it up a bit more? Do you think? Do you think more people are aware of of yeah. need for food? I think. I think definitely more than ever. And I think not necessarily just about food. Obviously, um, it's it's been very well known. Like we, we have um, collection points in a quite a lot of popular supermarkets. Like It's always there on the peripherals of people's awareness. Mm. And especially if you have children, like every harvest, they get to find out about like uh, food banks and, and stuff like that. But um, I think more so the conversation about, um, about the like systemic problems that are causing people to to go to food banks whether it's mm. uh, like policy or legislation or systems uh, computer systems that run people's benefits or 
um, like homelessness legislations got really popular um, in the public perception. All of these things are more, and it's changing the narrative. It's changing people's perception of who claims benefits, who goes to a food bank, how easy it is to find yourself into a point of crisis. Because a lot of people have gone from being quite secure to finding themselves you know, on the edge of being in crisis. So there's a deeper understanding of the issue and how Mm. easy it is to find yourself at a food bank. And I think that's a really powerful thing just to be able to change the narrative on where the issues lie and where the responsibility is to to solve these problems. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's, you know, if if something good can come out of COVID, I think that's that's one of the really, really big positives. And campaigns like Marcus Rashford obviously massively massively put that into the public perception and, and make change like it you know it, it it shows that if you keep saying the same thing mm. um eventually change will happen and in a big way and and would benefit quite a lot of people how are you in your role i mean we've already talked about zoom and and you know kind of seeing your colleagues more than ever but embracing technology is something that I suppose we've all been forced to do more than ever how's that changing your your role and I suppose the work you're doing with your beneficiaries yeah I think um it's it's been a learning curve I'm quite um a tech savvy person I'd like to think I'm I'm a gadgets girl um so it's not been a major issue for me but it's finding ways of making it easier for other people to participate that might not be um so like tech savvy and also it changes the way I do my work. Like um, we have a whole team um, on organizing and local mobilization. And it's really difficult for us to do the really meaningful, like face-to-face grassroots engagement on the issue and finding like really meaningful ways of doing that digitally. And I do worry that like I'm not meeting all of the people that I potentially could to get that well-rounded experience, uh, the true voice of what's happening because of digital exclusion, unfortunately. Mm. But just trying to be really creative and know that, like, we're in it, like, as a charity, we're in a space where a lot of other charities are. Um, A lot of people have a lot of other concerns. And also a lot of people are kind of tired of Zoom meetings, (laughs) generally. like it, it, there is something missing. Like I gain, we gain new things. Like I get to speak to like lots of new people digitally, like yourself, and it's you know it's really really great because there's a, a like a breadth of experience that you can have digitally, but not necessarily a depth. Mm. So it's just kind of changing the way we um, we call it cadence. It's like how the like how you talk to um, your audience and kind yeah. of the frequency and what we ask ask of them and what they ask of us and kind of what we engage in together is it it's still a learning curve but hopefully I'll get back out onto the streets and talking to people face to face I'm quite a tactile person I'm a big hugger so um (laughs) when we can do that again it'll be wonderful with permissions I don't hug people post vaccine (laughs) and absolutely permissions available yeah I, I absolutely hear you. I'm 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 the same really, and I, I found it uh, like you. I used to commute into London every day, and now I'm I'm not. You know, I'm in the home counties instead. So I, I guess it's that's a bit of a shift, isn't it? But yeah, I think we'll we'll have this time at some point. Hopefully, with the vaccine, all the stuff we're hearing about these vaccines, 
maybe even next year at some point we'll all be able to hug and high five and all that stuff without oh, trying to joy. wash our hands you know hannah matro thank you for contributing to charity chats oh no thank you sam for having me it's been a joy Thank you to Hannah Maitro for that insightful, enlightening and shocking introduction to food banks and the work of the Trussell Trust, just one of the many organisations seeking to respond to a growing crisis in poverty and need for food banks here in the UK. Hannah May mentioned Universal Credit a few times. There's a lot of coverage about this, both on the Trussell Trust's own website and in reporting from The Guardian and The Independent, to name but a few. The notion of setting up social security payments that combines benefits to help those with low household income makes some sense but clearly over the past seven or so years of universal credit there have been substantial problems leaving many people already in a vulnerable position in a much more desperate and mentally damaging situation the awareness and empathy and possible lived experience that many of us may have gained during the covid19 pandemic around mental health poverty isolation and food insecurity with high-profile causes and campaigns making it to the national news, I hope will help charities like the Trussell Trust to see renewed commitments from the government and society at large. As Hannah May said, there are changing perceptions of who uses benefits and food banks, and let's hope and do what we can to take these changing perceptions forward by supporting our local food banks and the charities that are fighting for an end to this need. Simply put, the UK, one of the richest countries in the world, should not have need for food banks. Something is very, very wrong. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor, Charity People, for enabling us to share insights, expertise and best practice across our sector Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Cheerio. Bye-bye.